0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, I
1: want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. And today, I'm going to be bringing the conclusion to our series on our citizenship in heaven. And I'm speaking this morning primarily from an evangelistic perspective and uh, this is one of those kind of uh i hope it encourages you uh type of a sermon and maybe we'll see something in the scriptures that you've not yet seen before and uh, it it will probably uh move fast i hope that it will and uh but most importantly that i hope that you'll be blessed i'm speaking this morning on an old theme that we sing about a lot in the church today And that old, old song, When We All Get to Heaven, some of you might be familiar with that. And uh, I think most of you in here today could stand and sing it without words. But as we come to the conclusion about our citizenship in heaven, this is the thought and this is the theme. And so today's message deals primarily with four specific things out of Revelation chapter 19 and the first seven verses. And uh, there is one key word in these particular verses that I want to focus on with this title, When We All Get to Heaven. And those of you that know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's going to be the crowning day of your life. I've said many times, nobody will get there on an accident. Nobody will stumble in And I pray that you have your citizenship, you have your reservation for heaven. And so I want to read beginning in Revelation chapter 19. And uh, you follow along with us as I begin with verse number one. Just let me remind you who is writing here, John the Revelator. He is on a secluded island called Patmos. The year of this writing of Revelation was A.D. 96. John the Revelator, is what we know him to be, pinning these great words of prophecy, was taken to this particular secluded island in a way that those doing that to him thought it would be uh, an age-long punishment for him. But what they didn't know is that the greatest revelation of all ages was going to be delivered to him on this particular island called Patmos and so we begin reading in Revelation chapter 19 and verse number one and I'm going to read for you through verse number seven follow along with me and after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying hallelujah or hallelujah salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up for ever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And as I, as I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. In this particular text, there are four and you have heard me read them already. There are four times that the word hallelujah is mentioned. And we're going to talk about those today. You'll be amazed how important that word is. And I believe that this is a word that ought to be in every single Christian's vocabulary. The word hallelujah. And uh, it's it's a word that uh, is seldom used in a setting like this. But I want to encourage you this morning to let you know, hey, it's okay. <laughs> if God speaks to your heart, it's okay. Just let God have his way with your heart. This morning. I think it's sad that there are a lot of churches today that, a lot of folks in churches today that is a little timid of of a word like that and uh, the setting of it. And I believe that in many situations people want to say it, but they're worried about this dude down here on the road. What's he going to think if I say that word? Or that brother or that sister, are they going to turn around and look at me? like I was some kind of oddball Jesus freak or something like that. I'm going to help you with this this morning. It's okay. And I hope I can take some of the tension off. It's a word, the word hallelujah. It's a word, listen carefully. If it's fit for heaven, it's fit for this earth. In fact, I'd like to hear more of it sometimes. By the way, if you're not familiar with this word, this word hallelujah simply means praise the Lord. That's what it means. And so there are some of you he- here this morning that know how to do that, to worship the Lord and praise his name. I love to see people in our service lift up a hand or two every now and then and they get filled with the spirit. They get filled of Jesus and they just want to say hallelujah. Sometimes they might want to say, praise the Lord. Sometimes they might want to wave both hands, maybe one hand. I don't know. It would, I think it'd be really cool one day if we all got the wave going here one time. <laughs> I'm glad to be part of a church that still has a little bit of the old time religion. How about you? Where the gospel is preached as far as I know. The word hallelujah is spoken in the same language all over the world. Now I want you to think about this. In every language, it is pronounced in the same way. That's awesome, this particular word. And so this morning, somebody might say, well, preacher, is it really necessary? Because I'm a little shy, I'm a little timid, and uh, I, I don't use this word in public a lot. Sometimes when I hear it, if I hear it in the group, it makes me a little nervous because I'm not a real emotional person, preacher. I don't know. Well, let me encourage you something. After we get through with this text today, I want to encourage you to practice, practice, practice. It's in the Bible. It's going to be in heaven. And if you're saved and you know Jesus, you're going to be in heaven one day. The word hallelujah is going to be all over you try using it this morning think about it when you when you have your quiet time and i hope that some of you in here do you're disciplined with that you have a quiet time with jesus at some point in the day maybe you you have your devotional time early in the morning or when you when you go to bed at night whatever time works best for you maybe this morning listen carefully when you when you get into that moment with the lord jesus and you remove all the distractions and you just shut down for a little bit to take your Bible and meditate and have some quiet time, try using that word when you get up in the morning, when you get off of your knees, when you read the scriptures, when you, uh, when you just have that moment with the Lord, try inserting that word in your vocabulary sometime during the day. Because as you see in our text this morning, it's a word that's going to be repeatedly used in heaven over and over and over again. And I'm telling you that you don't have to wait to get to heaven to get familiar with this word. You don't have to wait to get there and start using this word. I think this is a generation, and you'll agree with me, that's walking in darkness everywhere you turn. The world today is filled with fear, doubting and griping, depressed people, worried people. Sometimes people feel alone. They feel empty. We live in a world today that you can turn on any station on on your television, on the, on the cable news or the, the nightly news, and you can hear wars and rumors of wars. You can see all of the economic disaster that we're in today and especially the political turmoil. And listen carefully. That's what this world is all about. This world will never be about anything other than that. I think as Christian people, we need to learn how to live above those things Because the word of God says, and Jesus taught us, he said, you are children of the light. He said, you're called to be salt and light. And so the world needs to hear our praise. Have you ever been on a crowded elevator in a hospital and it's packed to the brim almost and you just get a little bit of Jesus on you and you just say, Jesus. And I'm not talking about in a slang word. But you get in a crowd crowd and you just mention the Lord's name and you'll be surprised some of the reactions you'll get. Don't be shocked if everybody gets whiplash all at one time and they, they do that. But listen, try to, try to whisper his name. Try to lift him up. Try to praise him in a crowd today and see what happens. I think because of the condition that the world is in today, and it's in such a sad state, the world needs to see something different in us you know, one of the saddest advertisements of the gospel is for somebody to claim to be saved and walk around like they were baptized in deal pickle juice. I mean, that's not what the world needs to see. That's not what they need today. They need to see that we have something they don't have. We have something they need. And listen, the Lord Jesus can work with you and through you in incredible ways. I want us to look at verse number 1 again and I want to show you how this word is going to be used in heaven. So look in verse number 1 of chapter 19 Revelation 19 look at verse number 1. The Bible says after these things let me set this up for you a little bit today. Think with me now in the scriptures. We have to understand and we want to keep this particular text in context. Most of you know that in January, I preach a series of Bible prophecy sermons. Some of them come from the book of Revelation. We've been doing that for a number of years. This particular text, when you read this chapter, and the scripture says, and after these things, what things? This is important. Maybe you want to write in the margin of your Bible, but After these things, the great tribulation that's lasted for seven years is coming to a close. The time of Jacob's trouble is over. The plagues of chapter 16, by the way, none of us make believe it's going to happen. The plagues of chapter 16 have all passed, and the judgments of chapter 17 and 18 are all now complete. And so when the word says, after these things, That's what the scripture is talking about. After all of these dreadful things, the Lord Jesus returns in the revelation. Now, there's a difference between the rapture and the revelation. If you're saved, if you are born again, washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus, let me encourage you with something today, that the Lord Jesus, his second coming, is is imminent. It could happen in the twinkling of an eye. It could happen before this service is over with, before you get in the car and drive home. It could happen before the sun sets on your night. Listen carefully. The Lord Jesus is coming back. He said, if I go, I will come again. And that is a promise of the Lord himself. So he's coming, and he's coming back in the twinkling of an eye. That's the rapture. After he comes, we meet the Lord in the air. The bride of Christ, the church, is raptured out. We meet the Lord in the air. This world is left behind for a seven-year tribulation. After these things, that's what the Scripture's talking about. And so after these dreadful events, seven years take place. The Lord Jesus returns to this earth on the Mount of Olives, the exact same place where he ascended to the Father 40 days after his resurrection, The Bible teaches us this truth in Zechariah chapter 14, verse number 4. The Bible says, in that day, his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. The word of God says that the mountain will cleave in two, the bride, the church, those who have trusted the Lord. The word of God says we will follow the Lord down. We will go down the slopes of the Mount of Olives that has been divided, that is split in two. The Lord Jesus will lead us across what is called the Kidron Valley. We'll go through the Eastern Gate and Jesus will take his place upon the throne of David where he will rule and reign for 1,000 years. So when we get to a text like this in Revelation 19, after these things, the Lord Jesus is coming back in the Revelation. All right, now I want you to notice the next part of verse number one. Revelation 19, verse number one. I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. This is significant. Much people in heaven. And this ought to be an encouragement to you today. It ought to be a blessing to you. And I want you to underline two particular things here this morning. In this verse, underline the words great voice. And I want you to underline the words much people, if you would do that. Hold your place here just for a moment. Go back to the left with me just for a little bit and look at Revelation chapter 7 and verse number 9. You're thinking about now the great voice coming from much people. And let me say this, that this scene that's taking place in heaven, this great voice, this is coming from more than four or five spirit-filled church members. This great voice that we're reading about according to the word of God is coming from much people. In Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, the word says, after this, I behold or beheld and lo, a great multitude. Look at this, a great multitude because the world today calls us crazy, by the way, being Christians. They don't know what we're singing about. They don't know what we're preaching about and very few doubt. That heaven is going to be a place where there's a lot of people. But look at this. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And so did you know that the devil today has convinced many people in this world, first of all, that there is no such place as heaven. They want us to believe today, many people of this world, especially the devil, that it's just a figment of our imagination, that it's just a fairy tale, something that's written in a Bible, something that they talk about in church. It's only a land of make-believe and only fanatical religious people believe in it. But I want to assure you, and I've assured you many times, I don't want this service to go by without me giving you the assurance again that heaven, listen now, it's not a figment of your imagination. It's not a fairy tale. It's not the land of make believe. I want you to know that heaven is just as real of a place as Richmond, Virginia and Buford Road Baptist Church. Can somebody say amen? And from this verse, we see that millions, Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 and Revelation 19 verse number 1, we see that millions of people are going to be there. And nobody's going to be there on an accident. Nobody will stumble in. every single day that goes by, listen carefully, until the Lord Jesus comes, he's going to be adding to the church. If the body of Christ was complete... And there was no one else left on the earth to be saved. Every one of us who are in Christ, who are part of the bride, part of the church, all of us who have been washed in the blood. Listen, we wouldn't be sitting here this morning. We would be in heaven if the body of Christ were to be complete. But people are still getting saved all over the world. And I'm thankful for that. There are hundreds and hundreds of people in our own city right now that need to come to the Lord Jesus But I'd like for you to know this, that this scripture teaches us that there will be more people in heaven than we have ever dreamed. More people in heaven than we can comprehend. Heaven is going to be made up of people from every denomination, every kindred, every tribe, and every tongue. Heaven is going to be full And it's going to be completely occupied. Listen carefully. There will be no empty seats in heaven. There will be no empty mansions in glory. There will be no for sale or rent signs on the street of gold. Every single mansion in heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare you a place. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen carefully. Every single mansion in heaven will be fully occupied. There will be no share." time's there, no no vacancies there. Listen, if your name has been inscribed in the Lamb's book of life, your reservation can never be canceled. You don't have to worry about that. And by the way, I've got some great news for you. If your reservation is in heaven, your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be part of this great voice with this great Multitude of people that's praising the Lamb of God, saying hallelujah for all eternity. Can somebody say amen? The word that some has never used, sometimes the word that people get scared of, the word that people thought others were crazy for saying it, the word that raised your blood pressure, made you nervous, or turned a lot of heads. Listen carefully. We might as well get used to it. If you think for one minute that there's going to be an ounce of heaven with silent pews, if you think it's going to be one minute of heaven where everybody's balancing their checkbook, you don't need a checkbook in heaven. If you think heaven's going to be a place where people scrolling through. Facebook and YouTube when the preacher's preaching? Listen, there's no Facebook and YouTubes in heaven. I'm not talking about you. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Listen carefully. Think about this with me this morning. When we all get to heaven, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, I'm going to show you this morning how true it is. Every single one of us is in heaven are going to be shouting and praising to the Lamb of God like what the world calls us a bunch of fanatical lunatics. And I told you the other day, I hope the Lord Jesus gives me a seat right in front of you. <laughs> I'm going to say, look what you missed out on all those years back there. Number one, look carefully. I've got to move quick today. We're all going to be shouting hallelujah. What's all the excitement about? Number one, because people can finally see the complete salvation of God. Look at this, if you will. In Revelation 19, verse 1 again, let's read the scripture. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Now hold your place here. Turn back to the left with me just a little bit. First Corinthians chapter two, verse number nine. The apostle Paul is writing this. I think I mentioned the scripture last Sunday. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And so listen carefully. I think most of us this morning that have been saved by grace, we've been washed in the blood. We have an earthly idea, just a thimble of an earthly idea of what salvation is all about. Because here's the thing. By the way, the problem with these glasses right here, I, I don't know, I've got new glasses and they got three lenses in them. I told a story on Wednesday night. I'm about ready to throw these things in the trash can. I'm going to need a physician before it's over with, and Gretchen's right here to help me out. But I have tried my best to deal with this. I can't do it. There are three lenses in there, and I've been to people trying to get it straight. They've bent the frames, bent these things, and this is what they tell me to do. Preacher put them on. I said, I preach preach every Sunday. I preach Wednesday night. I said, this is what you got to do. She said, when you get in the pulpit, take your Bible and find it. You probably don't go to church, they don't get it. But you think I, I'm a, I don't know, so bear with me this morning here, but I want you to think about this. I think we all have an earthly idea, just a thimble about what salvation is all about, just a little bit. We recognize this that when we come to Christ, the thing is we have to hear the gospel. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if a person is going to be saved and born again, if they're going to go to heaven, first of all, they have to hear the gospel. Then secondly, John 6, the Bible says that the spirit of God has to draw us. We have to be convicted by the, by the Holy Spirit of God. And so here's how a person is saved. They hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit convicts them of their need for Christ, convicts them of their sin. We confess our sin, we recognize our sin, we repent of our sin. And if we do that, according to the book of Romans chapter 10, the word says that if we call upon God, he will come into our heart and save us. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if we confess him with our mouth that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead by God the Father, the word says we shall be saved. Now, here's the thing. I don't know that we can fully understand the scope of salvation in its fullest at that. I think even knowing what we know about salvation, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I think we get that. We understand that God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We get this part of it and we comprehend it. And the best that we know how, We open up our hearts and we call upon the name of the Lord and we ask the Lord Jesus to come into our heart and to save us. But I believe even at that, we only have a glimpse of salvation. The truth of the matter is, I think we can only see maybe half of it, a glimpse of it. I I know a little bit about what I have been saved from. Do you know this morning what you have been saved from? Think about this. The Word of God says he picked me up out of a horrible pit. He put my feet upon a rock. He put a new song in my mouth. He established my goings. When I was conceived on this planet, I was conceived in sin. I was born in sin. I was born on my way to a devil's hell. But I'm thanking God today that I had a mother and father that took me to the house of God where the preacher preached the truth. I heard somebody teach the truth. I heard the gospel. I opened up my heart heart the holy spirit came in convicted me of sin i gave my heart to the lord jesus christ i know a little bit about that i know what i have been saved from i have been saved from the shackles of sin i have been saved from a devil's hell i have been saved from an eternal separation from god here's the thing i know what i have been saved from according to the word of god but when i get to heaven i'm going to realize what i have been saved unto Do you understand that this morning? I'm going to see the other side of salvation. I can see this side of it, what I've been saved from. But when I get to heaven and I see the Lord Jesus, when I cross the swelling tide and I reach the other side and I see the walls of Jasper, the gates of Pearl, and the throne of grace, the street of gold, and the tree of life, and the host of the redeemed, my guardian angel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my loved ones who have gone on before, when I see that cancer is not allowed in heaven, when I see that Mr. Arthritis has breathed its last breath when I see pain and sorrows left behind and that the undertakers have gone out of business. And when I see Jesus face to face, I'm going to stand on my feet. I'm going to lift up my holy hands and I'm going to lift my voice like I've never done before. I might even do a little dance and I'm going to say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's worth it all. Life's trials will seem so small when we get to heaven, the cross life. Listen, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. We know it's difficult to be a Christian and to live a spirit-filled Christian life in this world, in this life. But when we get to heaven, all of our troubles and trials of this earth will be soon forgotten. I'm talking about, listen now, we can talk about being saved now. We can talk about it. We can teach about it. We can preach about it. We can sing about it. We can meditate upon it. But we have seen nothing to compare on the other side of grace when we get to heaven number two. If you're following along with me in the bulletin today, maybe you want to make a notation or something here. Number two, the second shout of hallelujah will be because the redeemed That's talking about the church, believers. The redeemed will see the world and its hatred towards God finally judged. In Revelation 19, verse 2 and 3, look at this scripture with me. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Look at this. And again, this is the second time, they said hallelujah and her smoke rose up forever and ever. I'm telling you today, you know it and I know it. This world hates Jesus. Do you get that? Do you understand that today? that This world's not in love with Jesus. This world hates God. You think about this, this world that we're living in, it hates Christianity. The world that we're living in today, it hates the church. But there's coming a day, according to this passage of scripture, where everyone who hated the name of Jesus, everyone who ever blasphemed his name, everyone that voted to take the Bible, out of public arenas, a vote to remove prayer from school, who has persecuted the church, who has belittled God's people. According to this text right here, there's coming a day when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to lower the boom on all these people who had trampled upon his precious blood. And then at that point, we're all going to say hallelujah according to the Scripture. Listen, they can laugh at us now. They can mock us now. They can mock God now. They can isolate us now. They can outlaw... Jesus in public prayer they can take down the Ten Commandments they can ban nativity scenes they can reject him Uh, they can resist him Uh, they can make him illegal and try to make his word politically incorrect but one of these days listen let them have their party now let them laugh now but one of these days God's going to lower the boom on the whole shebang every knee will bow And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm tired of the devil in this old world. I'm thankful that this world's not my home. I'm thankful that this world is not all that there is. I'm looking forward for the day that the Lord Jesus is going to take the rope and put it around the devil's neck for the last time. And we'll all shout hallelujah. Number three. We're all going to shout hallelujah when we see Jesus as he is. Chapter 19, verse number four. And the four and 20 elders and the four beasts fell down, look at this, and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying hallelujah. Notice those words, fell down and worshiped God. Just think about what our eyes are going to behold when we get to heaven and we see the Lord Jesus face to face and we see salvation at its fullest. One day, thank God, because I'm saved, because you're saved. You know Christ is your Savior. One of these days, and I don't think it's going to be too long, one of these days we're going to see all of the holy angels of heaven. We're going to see the cherubims. We're going to see the seraphims. We're going to see the mercy seat. We're going to see when we get to heaven, we're going to see the man that used to be blind that Jesus gave sight to. We're going to see Lazarus, the man Jesus raised from the dead. We're going to see the woman who had the issue of blood. We're going to see the man who was let down through the rooftop. We're going to see John the Baptist. We're going to see the apostle Paul. We're going to see the prophet Daniel. But I cannot wait till I see the lily of the valley, the sweet rose of Sharon. I cannot wait till I see the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000, The Alpha and the Omega The First and the Last The Prince of Peace My Kinsman Redeemer The Messiah The Lion of Judah The Beginning and the End The Conqueror of Death Hell and the Grave. I can't wait till I see Jesus Hallelujah The one who bought my salvation With his own royal crimson blood And then I want you to see this one now The last one this morning Number four We're going to shout hallelujah when we see everybody else shouting hallelujah. You see, it's going to be contagious. That's why I want you to practice now. I want you to get going with it now. I want you to learn. I would advise you to learn how to spell it, learn how to say it, get comfortable with it. And I mean, just look over at your neighbor and say hallelujah. You see how easy that is? But think about it now. When we're in that celestial city on streets of gold, surrounded by this crowd that the word of God is talking about, we're we're absolutely going to lose our mind. We get over there praising Jesus. You might say, not me, preacher. I'm too dignified. I'm too reserved. I'm too embarrassed. I'd never get to heaven. I would never get to heaven. And are you kidding me, preacher? would never do that i'm not going to embarrass myself when i get over and and listen listen now you might say well that's what others do or i that's just too emotional I, that's not necessary i want you to know something four times we read in this scripture and i promise you this when we get to the other side of the jordan we cross the bounds of life and death listen you you The last thing on your mind is going to be what that brother on the road thought of you saying hallelujah. You're not going to care about that anymore. You won't have to worry about all your worries, your personal quirks. You won't have to be pumped up by the preacher. You won't have to be taught to do it. You won't have to be preached to do it. You won't have to be taught to do it, pushed to do it. Listen carefully. You're going to find out when you get to heaven just what you've been missing out on all of your earthly life, sitting in these pews. When you see Jesus in the host of heaven, you're not going to be able to contain yourself, and you're going to say... That preacher had it right. Amen. Oh. When you look around heaven and you look from north, south, east and west, you're going to see that everybody listen. You go ahead and have yourself a spell when you get there. Because when you do, I'm 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 excited about going here cuz I want to watch my wife have a spell in heaven. <laughs> I want to see Brenda have a spell in heaven. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one.
0: <laughs>
1: but here's the thing. When you get there and you're having yourself a
0: spell, you're going to realize that everybody there is just like you.
1: What in the world would we give a second thought to in heaven
0: about what people thought about us on this world? I'm glad that God has a place for me
1: at the table of God. I'm glad he has a place for you. He's got my name on the place. He's got your name on it. It's been purchased by the cross of Calvary. That makes me excited. These four hallelujahs in the Bible brings us to a conclusion of this series. I wouldn't mind preaching it all over again. But next Sunday, I'm going to start this new series, It's Steal the Blood.
0: I can preach all day long about heaven. And it all comes down to one question. Will you be there? We've had a good time in church today. We've laughed. There are some churches that, listen, there
1: are some churches today because we laughed and had a good time. They, they, they think I was the Antichrist. They think we was having just just a worldly associations. But listen, there's nothing wrong about being saved and happy. Nothing wrong about being saved and laughing and having a good time. And I'm glad we can do that. But right now, listen. I don't. I, this is not.
0: This is not a time to laugh. It's the most serious thing that I could ever say to you. Please, please, please listen carefully. If you die without Jesus, you will not have another chance. There are no second chances in heaven.
1: Think about the people that are in hell today. If they had an opportunity to have five
0: more minutes, what do you think they would do with five more minutes? Would they curse his name? they do. What they call us crazy. I promise you it would take less than five minutes for every person in hell right now if it were possible which it's not. To beg for the mercy and grace of God but once we leave this life it's too late. My question is this. What have you done with Jesus? Have you asked Him into your heart? You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at Road dot com.